I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Well, welcome to Season 4, Episode 11 of the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast. This week we will be covering Chapters 51 through 53 in Crescent City, House of Birth and Blood by Sarah J. Mass. In our last episode, Bryce and Hunt visited Sabine and found out that she was lying about mm-hmm. Danica's whereabouts. Uh, but she wasn't the one who killed Danica. Annoying. Uh, <laughs> they were also attacked by the Cristalos demon. Um, managed to kill it, and Hunt was definitely injured, but will survive. Yep. And yep. If you need anything else about last episode, go listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get too deep into this, folks, you know the drill. This podcast is not for little ears. <laughs> We repeat, it's not for little ears. No, my favorite line, definitely no. <laughs> no. But definitely. really quick, before we dive in, make sure you listen to the end because we have a special guest. We recently talked with J.M. Wallace, who has another book coming out, and we love it. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. It's it's book two in her new series. Yes, yes, it's so good. And and like Kim reads really fast because she reads really fast, but I read this one really fast just because I liked it. <laughs> so yeah, so listen to the end, hear from her and hear about the new book and where you can find it and all that good stuff. Um okay, Kim, hit us with chapter fifty one. Okie doke. It's a bad idea. <laughs> it's a very bad idea chapter 51 in case you forgot we left off on um uh the last thing from the previous chapter was bryce being like uh, i'm gonna do a thing but uh promise me you won't go ballistic yep so i mean obviously it's gonna be a genius fucking idea <laughs> definitely um hmm. I think I think you're kind of going. I don't know about this, but okay. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that mm-hmm. <clears throat> because chapter fifty-one literally opens up with well, one of Kelsey's well, part of Kelsey's favorite lines. Definitely my one of my favorite lines in the book, which is summoning a demon is a bad fucking idea. Yeah, especially considering that's what started this mess in the first place. And this is Hunt pissed off at Bryce. I mean, and kind of rightfully so. <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> well, we know how, how well it's gone before in the book so far, every time you summon a demon. So, you know, right. let's not hold our breath that this is going to go any better, right? Well, sure. Experience experience leads us to that. So they're in Bryce's apartment and she's used the black obsidian salt, which she somehow magically, her... Uh, uh, food processor. Food processor. Thank you. I was like, that, yeah. that thing... <laughs> Her her baby blender. (laughs) The blender thingy. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, guys. It's been a week. First week of school. uh, First week without summer camp, and I'm now readjusting. It's there's a lot. (laughs) Kim's having a moment. (laughs) I'm having I'm having some like I got a what to wear to who? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, but he's like, she must have ground it up in her food processor and it's just, he's totally freaked out. But she's got syrinx locked away in her bedroom, in his crate, with blankets and a circle of white salt. And she and Hunt are standing in one circle of black salt and then in the other circle of black salt 
it's empty right now, but that's where it's going to quote unquote contain the, the demon. And Bryce is like, look, I'm not wasting my time snooping around for answers about what kind of demon killed Danica. Going right to the source will save me a headache. Which, like, fair. <laughs> totally fair. I'm just a little concerned about her doing that. That That's I all. I mean, yeah. I feel like in fairness, it's not that Hunt couldn't be convinced. It's that he feels like this is not being fought through. <laughs> totally fair. Because, you know, she's like, going. he goes, going right to the source will get you splattered on a wall. And if not, arrested for summoning a demon in a residential zone. And then he's like, I should arrest her, shouldn't I? And she's like, no one likes a narc, Athelar. I just love his response. I am a narc. He's like, what? What? I am a narc. <laughs> yeah, there's a setup for you. I, I don't know. And I, I love how then his question is, well, are you summoning it with an unholy number then? Claiming that demons do have certain numbers associated with them, which is true if we follow our knowledge of demonology. And I don't also, mean that in a Satan-worshipping sort of way. Oh, I meant, oh, like when you said it, my first thought was like, yeah, also kind of like the numbers on Pokemon cards. <laughs> Gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all. <laughs> Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we're there. It's yeah, okay. if it's not at the zoo, it gets a number anyway. <laughs> yeah. But I like her assurance in that she's like, nope, I don't need that. I know how to find the demon. And the obsidian salt will hold it. I'm like, okay, I'm a little yeah. scared. I'm at like, this, this is I'm a like, lot of faith in some salt. Not only that, but I'm like, what the flying fuck? Who do you, huh? Who is this? What? Like, how do you have this connection? I'm also confused. In fairness, this is like a world building thing that has kind of confused me the entire book in complete fairness. Mm -hmm. I'm a little confused about like what, like when she's like, I'm a summon a demon and I'm gonna ask it questions. I'm like, oh, the Crystallos talks? Like, I did not envision that as a talking being. So, like, what are you summoning that's going to answer your questions? <laughs> I'm sure there are demons that talk. See, I didn't feel like that was a thing. Like, up until this point, I didn't think that was a thing. I thought demons were more like the non-talkies versus the talkies. I don't know. I just feel like it's a confusing thing. <laughs> I think the only demons that talk in this world are at a certain level or higher sure yeah that's how i guess I, that sort of makes sense i don't know dude i don't know i guess i read enough cross culture fantasy where demons show up that higher demons tend to have no problem talking and lower demons aren't the ones that talk so maybe that's why to me it was it wasn't a big deal interesting okay yeah i was not getting that from this i was getting like Okay, I okay. Admittedly, I only watched the first season of Stranger Things, but I was getting Stranger Thing demons in my mind. Okay, well, I mean, the <laughs> is one of those, right? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe Stranger Things season three demons talk. What the hell do I know? <laughs> and a humanoid male is what appears in the circle, so it's not your typical demon. So it's definitely not the demon of the. Here, let's chase after 
you know, it's not a I like that it's not just humanoid, <laughs> but we get what is clearly Hunt's thought process, which is, it's a pretty boy. <laughs> yeah. But Hunt's response is to have his heart stop dead, and Bryce's response is to look at him and go, surprise! Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and this would definitely be a commercial break, because um, yeah. we're going to get an invisible snowflake. Mm-hmm. And Hunt is, we come back and Hunt is just like, oh my fucking god, I'm going to fucking kill her. Yeah. And he's like, and of mm-hmm. course, Bryce's response is, Avis. And I have to read what ha- what comes next because it's in Hunt's head, but it explains this so well. Mm-hmm. Hunt had always imagined the Prince of the Chasm as similar to a lower, lower level demon he'd hunted over the centuries scales or fangs or claws, brute muscle, and snarling with blind animal rage. Not the slender, pale-skinned, pretty boy. But here's the thing that I think people gloss over. Prince of the Chasm. There are... Seven? Seven levels of hell. Yeah, seven. He's the prince of the fifth level. Yeah. So he's kind of high up on the food chain. Like, there's only two others above him. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but... What the fuck is she thinking? Yeah, I really want to know if Hunt's thought process is what is she thinking or if his thought process was more on my wavelength, which was how, how? Well, there's that too. Like, I don't, like, do you have Lucifer's cell phone number? Because I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if if you look like Tom Ellis, I'd want it. I don't need your cell phone number. I would just stand outside his house. No, I'm not that creepy. But yeah, I might be that creepy. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, no, like, I just, like, what? I don't understand. Like, like if I were Hunt, my, like, I, I don't know if I would even be worried about, like, the safety of this at the moment. I think I would just be like, how? Like, at what point did you get his calling card? I am confused. Did Pretty you much. Him yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? How? Like, like oh right. my god. Like, did, like weird. <laughs> well, because it only gets weirder because apparently Adis not only responds to the summoning, but he knows Bryce's name. <laughs> right. And poor Hunt is like, um, the Prince of the Chasm knows her name and her face and that the way he spoke her name was as much a greeting as it was a question and so at this point Hunt's like oh my effing god WTH is going on here and the only two princes that are above him is the prince of the abyss and the prince of the pit aka the star eater um I guess our equation would be Lucifer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because Isn't that a name for Lucifer too? Star Eater? I don't know. I don't uh, see it is. I don't know, but I <laughs> I do know that there's like a whole story behind the whole like Lucifer Morning Star thing. So Right. And for some reason Star Eater also seems to sit in there. Or maybe it's because yeah. it's shown up in other as a name in other fantasy yeah. books, but then again that leads me to believe that it's a yeah. thing. I'll have to look it up. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody knows, but it's not us. 
Exactly. Anyway, Bryce's response is, you were a cat the last time I saw you. <laughs> At which point, Hunt has to think he's dreaming, right? Yeah. I mean. Like, this can't, this conversation can't be real. Yeah. Well, of course, it doesn't help that Adis's response to her is, you were very young then. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm, what? And I just, I'm like, OMG. She's like, I was 13. Not that young. And he goes, and you were sad then as well. And of course, Bryce is like, okay, okay. Let's talk about you, your highness. I can only imagine, like, poor poor Hunt's head has just got to be, like, spinning like a top, right? So Bryce is like, uh, you and your colleagues seem to be getting a little restless down there. And he's like, it really? Maybe you summoned the wrong prince, because this is the first I've heard of it. And then, of course, she's like, who's summoning the Crystallis demon to hunt through this city? And what killed Danica Fendir? And he's like, yes, yes. We heard of that, how Danica screamed as she was shredded apart. And Adis realizes he knows he hit a nerve. And she's like, do you know what demon did it? And I love his response. It's, despite what your mythologies claim, I am not privy to the movements of every being in hell. And he's like, wait, hold your horses. Do you think I sent it? And she's like, I wouldn't have you there in my, like, she, you would not be standing there if I thought you did. Like, you'd be dead. And of course, all, all Hunt can think is, is what the hell happened 12 years ago? Because remember, she says she was 13. So he, he realizes roughly when this happened, he's like, the hell? And then she's finally like, and, and, you know, Adis is, they, they go through this tit for tat and go back and forth and back and forth. And Adis is like, look, information isn't free. And, right. and Bryce is like, what's your price? Which is, again, like a very, <laughs> this, magic comes with a price, dearie Trump. <laughs> no, we all know this. At this point, we know. <laughs> like, oh, here we that. go again. <laughs> it's a bargain. It's a, I don't know. Yeah. This is the first time, finally, after he says that, that Adis registers Hunt is in the room next to Bryce. Not sure how he missed the big honking dude with wings, but all right. That makes two of us, but whatever. Standing like three inches from Bryce <laughs> in the same freaking salt circle. <laughs> yeah, I would think it'd be kind of hard to miss him. I don't know. And of course, Adis is like, who are you? And it wasn't a question. It was a command. Like, he wants to know. Sure. And Bryce is hysterical. She's like, he's eye candy and not for sale. Which I thought was great. He's eye candy. <laughs> and he's not for sale because she points out his halo, right? I right. Hysterical. I'm like, great. And of course, Adis is just an ass and he kind of tries to provoke Hunt. And then Hunt and Adis is looking at him and he's like, a fallen warrior with the power of Adis's groomed brows lifted in surprise. His blue opal eyes narrowed to slits and then simmered like the hottest flame. What are you doing with a black crown around your brow? And all I did was stick a sticky note here and go, huh? Well, all I got to say is, is that's damn interesting because why, why would Adis have that response to him? Why would the Prince of the Chasm have that response? Well, I'm like, huh? <laughs> but that also tells me that the Prince of the Chasm knows who Hunt is and knows more about Hunt than he's letting on. Yeah. 
I don't know. No, you don't get any of that cleared up. No, no, not in this part anyway. And he's finally like, Adis is looking between them and he finally, he finally comes to a, a response of, the seven princes dwell in darkness and do not stir. We have no interest in your realm. And of course, Hunt is like, yeah, yeah, I'd believe you if I hadn't been trying to kill off demons sliding through the Northern Rift. And this little section, I want everyone to put a pin in. Uh-huh. Yeah, I highlighted it. Because if, especially if once you read Silver Flames, and if you've read this, the Throne of Glass series, it's going to start clicking in a big fat way. Okay. Adis is like, you do realize it might not be my people. The Northern Rift opens to other places, other realms. Yes, but other planets as well. What is hell but a distant planet bound to yours by a ripple in space and time? Of course, Hunt's like, wait a minute. Hell's a planet? I mean... uh, Okay, sorry. My brain did not go as fast as my mouth. (laughs) Um, I guess what I was gonna like, I guess the way my I think my brain like didn't know what to do with this information because like obviously like you said like maybe things will click for other people depending on like where you are in your mass journey. Um, but immediately I was like, cool. So in other words, like where Amran came from potentially, like we already knew she was from fucking not wherever they were. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, we, Prithian is still a, a cut, like, essentially a country on a planet. On that planet, yes. But we don't have, no, know jack all about that planet, so, yeah. We just know that Amran not from there, though. <laughs> Pretty much. I was like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Star Trek, here we come. <laughs> well, the ripple in space and time, God, I was like, I'm having Star Trek flashbacks, as well as some wibbly wobbly. <laughs> Timey wimey thoughts. Yeah. But okay. Anyway, I just found it interesting that that's how it's described. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, Adis is like, look, it's as real as a place as Midgard, though most of us would have you believe it wasn't. Your kind, fallen, were made in Midgard by the Asteri, but the Fae, the Shifters, and many others came from their own worlds. The universe is massive. Some believe it has no end or that our universe might be one in a multitude as bountiful as the stars in the sky or the sand on a beach. Which, I mean, sounds wild, but isn't that like what science actually says? (laughs) Does. But remember, we are now dealing with a with a, a fantasy book we know that, that there's this place called the Northern Rift where is a opening to other realms. Which, if anybody plays Dragon Age, this feels right. ex- literally exactly like Dragon Age, but okay. <laughs> so, it's interesting because they continue on and conversations continue and Adis is finally like, look, those of us in the true dark have no need or interest in sunshine, but even they did not send the Crystallos. Our plans do not involve such things. Okay, Which, that's interesting. 
Well, and I could see how that's news to them, you know, obviously, because apparently, like, hell being a planet in general was news to them. So, like, completely fair. But as an outside observer, (laughs) I'm like, hmm, dude's probably got a point. If he's from his own fucking planet, (laughs) like, why would he give a rat's patootie about sending a crystal here? I don't think he has a dog in this fight, then. He probably has a point. <laughs> in that particular fight? No, I don't know. I don't think that Adis does. I yeah. would agree. I'm like, yeah, I could see that. He's like, it ain't me. And they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, mm, <laughs> kind of apt to assume he's telling the truth here. <laughs> yeah. And they they continue having this tit-for-tat conversation, and Hunt is like, look, you know, you all wanted to live here at one time, and, and Adis is like, it's so funny to hear the stories and lies that the Asteri told you. Which makes you wonder a lot of other things, but that's okay. Well, yeah, I thought that from the beginning. I was like, all of this stuff, even with like Shahar, just fucking like reeks of, oh, Amada left out some details. <laughs> yeah. <think? laughs> all may not be as it but Adis is like, what blinds an oracle? Which Bryce's response to is to just completely be like, oh, shit. And then, of course, her response is, well, what cat visits an oracle? And Which his response- turns out to be like a code. <laughs> yeah, it's a code between them. <laughs> and he's like, look, I may appear more like that if it pleases you, Bryce Quinlan. And Adis is finally like, look, your temperature is dropping. I will depart. And Bryce is like, please just tell me if you know what killed Danica. Please. And Adis's answer to her is run the tests again. Find what is in between. And Bryce tells him thank you, and Adis's response to her just before he disappears is, make the drop, Bryce Quinlan, and find me when you are done. Um, and then he goes, the oracle did not see, but I did. And that leads us to Kelsey's favorite line in, in the book, Wolfar. Because he leaves, so it's just... Just Hunt and Bryce and silence for a second. And then Hunt, I don't know how this, I don't know how he says what he says, but in my head, I hear it as basically he just turns to her and what he says is, first of all, fuck you for that surprise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. And she's like, well, you wouldn't have let me summon him if I had told you first. And he's just like, yeah, because I'm just using my logic and my self-preservation skills. (laughs) And he's like, you know, we should be dead. And and of course she's, I like Bryce is like, I knew he wouldn't hurt me or anyone with me. Pardon? (laughs) Right. 
Like, Hunt's like, can you please explain in great detail the reasons why that makes sense in your mind? <laughs> yes. So, Bryce is funding like, I told you how badly things ended between me and my biological father after my oracle visit. Afterward, when I was crying my little heart out on the park benches outside the temple, this white cat appeared next to me and had the most unnatural blue eyes. I knew even before it spoke it wasn't a cat, and it wasn't a shifter. Welp. And then he's like, um, and what did he say? <laughs> and her answer is, he asked me what blinds an oracle, and I replied what sort of cat visits an oracle. He had heard the screaming on his way in, and I suppose it intrigued him. He told me to stop crying, said it would only satisfy those who had wronged me, that I shouldn't give them the gift of my sorrow. And he sat with her until she works up the nerve to go back to her father's house finally. And by the time, just, sorry, I just I put a weird little flaggy next to that thing where he said like he where she's like he told me to stop crying, so it would only satisfy those who wronged me, and I just thought it was interesting because like. We've kind of had this conversation before. It's one of my favorite conversations from back in Akatar. Mm -hmm. Reese goes into Feyre's mind and tells her to stop crying and to like face up to Amarantha because it was basically the only fuck you she could give. And so I just thought it was interesting because I was like, Sergei Mass really has a thing against crying. <laughs> Certainly in certain places and times. Where the response should be anger and not. Yeah. I just yeah. think it's funny because as somebody who angry cries, I'd be like, I'm sorry, but I'm literally incapable. <laughs> I have the same problem. It's okay. Cause I angry. Cry. I will stab you while I cry. Is that cool? <laughs> like... <laughs> Is that an option? No. <laughs> I just, I find it interesting though, because. Hunt is kind of like, now he's like, well, I guess he, you know, he can kind of understand why she felt okay summoning him, knowing what she just told him. Vaguely. I'm still thinking we should have thought that one more. I'm Through. not disagreeing with that at all. And her response is, he barely gave us anything to go on. But she's thinking, the wheels are turning, she picks up her phone and she starts dialing. And Hunt realizes she's calling Declan. The only one who knows how to do anything. <laughs> Apparently. You know? And so his response is, you know, Bryce Bryce isn't like, he's all like, hey, B, how's it going? And she's like, we've been tipped off that you should run various tests again. I'm assuming that means the ones, the victims and the crime scenes a few years ago. Can you think of anything that should be re-examined? And then of course, Rune is like, is that Bryce? He realizes that Declan's talking to somebody. Sure. And Declan's like, well, I would run a scent diagnostic. You'll need clothes. And Bryce is like, they must have done that two years ago. And Dex, like, was it the common one or the Mimir? Hunts and Bryce is like, well, what's the difference? And Declan is like, the Mimir is pretty new. And, you know, it's a better test. 
And then Hunt basically gives her the response of, no, it wasn't run. And she's like, no one did one. And Declan's like, well, it's Faye Tech mostly. We loan it out to the Legion for their major cases. Someone should have said something. And of course, Bryce was like, did you have access to this two years ago? And Declan gets ready to respond and then runes on the phone. And he's like, Bryce, a direct order was given not to pursue it through those channels. It was deemed a matter that the Fae should stay out of. To which, at this point, Bryce is like having this emotional breakdown. And it's like, God, the Autumn King's a prick. And Bryce just snarls, I'm going to tell him just that. And she hangs up on, on Rune. And Hunt's like, what? But she's already gone. Leaving mm-hmm. the apartment. And that's the end of the chapter. It's like, okay. And honestly, yeah. I, will, I will say out of this whole section, this is probably, that was probably the meatiest of all the chapters. Yeah. And, and my two cents on that is just, uh, it's very interesting. Like to me, it's an interesting plot point because like, okay. So like for moving the plot forward, it's like, yeah, I get it. We basically failed to run a test, which means we didn't have full information that we could have had two years ago. So like, if this was a direct order to not get that information, well then like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, I get it. I do. But like, as somebody who spends a lot of time listening to like true crime for example like this is just not out of the norm especially given what we know of the social construct of this book which is like this was a not this was deemed a non-fay matter i mean look at it it was it was shifters and humans involved basically you know what i mean for all intents and purposes this did not involve the fay at all and so like, while that's annoying, that that means that they had technology that could have been used to give them much more information much sooner, like, thus mm-hmm. making this basically not a cold case reopen. Like, I, I, like, from, like, that kind of perspective, like, I get why Bryce is upset and Bryce has every right to be upset. On the other hand, I I mean, like, it's a book, so who knows. But, like, in the real world, that wouldn't really be grounds for saying that somebody, like, did it on purpose necessarily because it doesn't fall into the category that would have earned it getting that test in the first place. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, if you get murdered, like, if there's a murder today, the DNA testing today is very different from 15 to 20 years ago. Exactly. Now, that means that there are a lot of backlogged cold cases from 15 to 20 years ago that as time permits, they will rerun those tests, you know, if they can and if they're in jurisdictions that have the bandwidth and like that, like, you know, that's great. But like for the jurisdictions that don't have the bandwidth, like I I feel bad because sometimes I think these like labs and these cops and these detectives and, you know, they all get a bad rap for like, well, now there's new technology. Why hasn't the information been run? Because unfortunately, there's crimes happening right now that we are using the technology on. Exactly. So like, it's just an interesting thing like to look at it from that way, because it's like, I, I appreciate why Bryce is so upset, but it's kind of interesting looking at like how procedural this has been, because the answer is like, I'm not surprised. Like, I, yeah, I'm sure there are tests that didn't get run that should have. I'm sure there is information you could have had that you didn't, because I think probably whether it's a (laughs) fantasy novel, a crime novel, or real life, I think there's always probably information that, depending on the team who showed up, you didn't get. And that's not because the team was bad, the team was different. 
there's that. I think in this case, Bryce realizes that the order came from her father, who Hunt does not realize is her father. Well, right. That's what Um, I mean. That's what I was saying. Like, for a plot point of moving the plot forward, it sort of makes sense. But, like, it's just interesting from, like I said, it's been very procedural to this point. So, like, I feel like that's going to be Hunt's reaction. You know what I mean? Like, like this next chapter when we, like, discuss kind of, like, how the two of them go about it, I think that it's easy to think, like, Hunt doesn't give a shit. But I think Hunt is looking at it exactly like I did, which is, sorry, kid, but it doesn't work like that. No, I... Trust me, every family of every victim wishes it did. Right. I agree. Um, and so we it's know just interesting. That it is interesting. But at the same time, since this has come back t- from Micah, I think at this point you would think it wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah, well, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I make that noise because I feel like we can probably trust Micah and everybody about as far as we can throw him. But like in fairness, I also like don't trust most like law enforcement in general. So <laughs> like it's fine. It's a crapshoot. I don't know what to tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, I, and I get that. But it's like Micah has not ordered them to reopen the case. Yeah. So yeah. it 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 then now begs the it begs the question. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's all. That's all I'm oh, Yeah. No, I think it's interesting. Uh, yeah. So we'll see how that pans out in this section. We'll see how that pans out. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When it pans out, it pans out and kind of, it wasn't supposed to be funny, but it kind of was. <laughs> A little. Way. The outcome is kind of like, mm hmm. <laughs> yeah (laughs) anyway uh chapter 52 i'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail other than to say that bryce ends up in front of the autumn king's house right screaming to be let in there are four sentries there and they're like uh do you have an appointment and she's like no Tell him that Bryce Quinlan needs a word now. <laughs> the sentries are like, no, no, no. Without an appointment, you're not getting anywhere. And Bryce is insisting. And even once Hunt shows up with his lightning, and he's like, the lady wants an audience with his majesty. To which the guard is like, his majesty is unavailable, especially for fallen scum and half-human skanks. Hunt is like, say that again. Like, just give me a reason, jackass. I know, but I love, like, Bryce's momentary realization in that. Mm hmm. Because she realizes that Hunt would kick their ass for her. Basically. Yeah, like all of a sudden, like, I just thought it was, like, kind of, I don't know, it was, it was interesting to me because, like, this read very, like, just like quick, 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 quick. And then all of a sudden it was like Hunt's hands fisted aside. He'd do it, she realized. He'd pummel these assholes into dust for her, fight his way inside the gate so she could have a chat with the king. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that she like sort of is like, like even for her, it like all slowed down for a second because it was like talk, 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 talk. And then suddenly we get this paragraph that isn't. Right. You know what I mean? So the beat changes. I just thought it was interesting because it's like, I think even her, she for a minute was like, oh wait, 
<laughs> like, oh. The yeah. fuck? Yeah. Huh. Nice. Especially because she knows he doesn't know the whole story. Not to do the whole, like, we know, we don't know. <laughs> he knows, she knows, we know. Crap. <laughs> but, like, we know that she knows. He doesn't know the whole story of who the Autumn King is to her. Exactly. And for that so, matter, like, right. we also know that these centuries don't know either. Right. So it's just interesting because, like, she's like, wow, he would really, like, beat the shit out of these guys just so I could go yell at the Autumn King. It's like a different dynamic if it's like, oh, yeah, my friend will beat the crap out of these guys so that I can go yell at my asshole of a biological dad. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's, there's more there to make it make sense. But this is just like, wow, no, he really would beat the crap out of these guys. And he doesn't even know why I want in there. <laughs> exactly. And why I'm so angry. Right. Hmm, interesting. And of course, suddenly Rune shows up with Declan and Flynn right behind them. And he's yelling at the guards to stand down. And I love it because he's like, stand down, stand the fuck down. (laughs) Yeah. And I can only imagine how that's coming across. And the guards are like, even you don't have the authority to tell us to do that. And I'm thinking, he's your crown prince. Actually, I beg to differ. I thought that too. I was like, so is Rune's relationship with his dad even worse than we thought it was, if that's the case? Yeah. Like, that's interesting. Like, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was weird too. I was like, uh, I find that hard to believe that you guys fucking like have the choice to outrank him. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Thought it was weird. Yeah, I get it. Same. It's a little strange. Very, actually. That these guards feel that they don't have to answer to him. Yeah, very weird. I mean, even if he and his father are not on the best of terms, the fact that these guards think they don't have to answer to him yeah, blows my mind. Like I said, which is super weird because that makes me think that, like, the Autumn King specifically told them that. In which case, like, yeah, dude's an even bigger asshole than we thought. <laughs> Boy, he's really picking it on, isn't he? Yeah, he's a real winner. <laughs> And Brune is kind of like he's looking at, at Bryce and he's like look there are other battles worth fighting with him this isn't one of them meaning their father and of course Bryce is like he chose not to help with what happened to Danica and Hunt is responding like look it might be considered to be an interference with an imperial investigation I mean he's he's investigating this under Micah's order Right. And now so is Bryce. So the fact is that technically Hunt's not off on saying that. No, but that's the thing. And I think that's why, like, to me, this is, like, kind of a weird section why I'm like, yeah, Bryce, like, I feel that. But on the other hand, like, Rune's also got a point, as does Mm -hmm. Hunt. And I I think Hunt's, uh, you know, interest in her is why he didn't say it. Um, Right. This investigation is open now under Micah, which means if you request the test now and the Autumn King says you can't have it, then he's <laughs> impeding an investigation. But he wasn't two years ago. I agree. So, like, I, I'm kind of confused because we don't need his approval for Declan to run the test, is my understanding. Declan just has the ability to run the test. Right. So I'm not really sure why we're here being all like, 
he's impeding the investigation. Actually, he's not. He kind of did two years ago, but not technically because it wasn't much of an investigation. It was like a closed case situation. They were just like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> Didn't look into it. <laughs> right. And Brune's looking at her and he goes, you're a member of the court. You were involved in a colossal mess, and he decided the best thing for your safety was to let the case drop, not dig further. And Bryce is like, like he's ever given two shits about my safety. Which I hate to say, I tend to agree with her on that. Right, which is so, like, and like, I, uh, like, I agree with her because, like, yeah, I don't think, I doubt that that is the king's, like, thought process, right? I think he's just exactly. an asshole. But you got to feel for Rune because, like, Rune legitimately believes this. You know what I mean? I know. I know. And poor Rune. Then he's like, well, he cares enough that he wanted me to be your live-in roommate. And instead, you chose Hunt because you wanted the sexy roommate. Yeah. And Bryce has a valid point, though. She's like, he wants to find the horn for himself. It has nothing to do with me. You go in there and tell that piece of shit that I won't forget this ever. I doubt he'll care, but you tell him. And Rune's like, look, I- I'm sorry. I'm-, I'm sorry about Danica. And she's just like, don't. Don't talk to me. Don't say anything. I just feel bad for Rune because he gets like this bad rap from Bryce, which he actually does kind of like acknowledge internally like in this section at some point I don't remember exactly where but um it's just a weird thing because she literally says to him do not ever say her name to me never say her name to me again and I don't get it because like root like I just don't get the like I don't know I guess when people are upset they don't do like the logical thing I just don't get it because like Rune's not the one in the way actually Rune's bestie Declan is what's gonna get you your fucking answers you know what I mean exactly. like Rune essentially showed up so that you didn't get your ass beat by the fucking Autumn King he's the one who told the guards to leave you alone like he showed up he's trying to talk you off a ledge like even even if the autumn king is an asshole who didn't have any interest in 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 her safety like the point still stands that rune still did so rune would have played roomy slash protector while looking for the horn you know what i mean exactly so like i get being mad at his dad and i get being frustrated with him that like he doesn't really see the Autumn King exactly for who he is. I mean, Rune knows he's an asshole, but clearly not to the extent that <laughs> Bryce knows he's an asshole. So, like, I, I can see how there'd be some, like, you know, discomfort in their relationship there. I just, I really feel like she didn't give him a fair shake and I just find it irritating because I feel like we are asked to give her so much, like, her and Danica so much leniency for how the two of them used to be. I agree. You know what I'm um, saying? Does that make sense? It does. It makes total sense. And the thing is, is, you know, she's she's responding to me. She is because she's pissed off at her father. Right. She's upset. Right. I, I get that. But why are you taking it out on somebody who really had nothing to do with this and is truly trying to help you and genuinely cares about you? Right. 
Yeah, and like I said, she this this does kind of come full circle in this section. So I mean, some of this is I think a plot device to remind you about the relationship so that we can deal with it later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she takes off. She's she tells Hunt she'll see him at the apartment, <laughs> and we get an invisible snowflake. So scene change, commercial <laughs> break. We come back. And she's sitting in a bar that she used to frequent when she actually used to party and drink. Right. And, you know, she acknowledges that she was in the wrong for not telling Hunt who she was summoning. But she's just stuck on the fact that it's her dad is the bad guy for not allowing access to these tests. Which, I mean, I get, but I don't get. And she is sitting at the bar and she's drinking for the first time in two years and she's doing shots of whiskey. Which I can understand. I mean, okay. Well, and it's interesting too because <laughs> can I just say this because like I can I, I can already see <laughs> like the TikToks. I can already see the crazy people on the internet. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, I I guarantee you there are people who are at this point are like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, SJM wrote a character who, like, basically, like, got sober and then, like, turns back, like, to drinking or whatever. Um, I think the weird thing about this is that, like, I, 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 <laughs> I'm not convinced she had a drinking problem to begin with. I agree. I think she had a personality problem and happened to drink a lot. Like, I don't think she made bad choices because she drank. I don't think she had to drink to get through the day. I think she gave up drinking because there was no fun in it anymore after Danica died. Exactly. So, like, I I think it's kind of a, this is kind of a weird moment because you sort of get that vibe from Hunt that he's like, oh, shit, like, she fell off the wagon. She's drinking again. But, like, she didn't, like, go to AA. Like, I don't think she was actually an alcoholic. Like, I don't think she needs to call a sponsor. I don't think she has one. Like, I no, think... I, I think she's just somebody who partied a lot, made a lot of questionable choices, and drank a lot. I don't necessarily think she was, like sober up until this point as much as she was just not drinking if that makes sense and the only reason I like I said the only reason I say that is because people on the internet like this is kind of like down the rabbit hole back in Akatar when people were like losing their minds over whether or not <laughs> Reese like drugged Feyre and it was like I don't think giving an imaginary like Faye drink to an imaginary person in fey territory like in a fantasy book i don't think that's the same thing as like getting roofied at a bar in real life like you know what i mean i agree (laughs) so like i just wanted to take a minute and be like "Mm," as soon as i read this and i thought about like how people are on the internet i was like i don't think this moment is as big of a deal as it (laughs) kind of has sometimes been pointed out to be (laughs) i agree I agree. Uh, she did message Juniper to come join her. And Hunt shows up. 
and puts this purple vial down in front of her. And he's like, for your leg, drink up. And she's like, you went to a med witch. And he's like, there's a clinic around the corner. I figured you aren't leaving here anytime soon. And she's like, you guessed correctly. And he's like, look, just have this before you finish the rest. And she's like, no comment about breaking my no drinking rule. And he's like, that's your rule. You can end it whenever you want. It's your choice. Which I think goes along with exactly what Kelsey is saying. It's not anything more than whatever. Yeah, which also I just want to point out that that was a very Reese response. (laughs) It is a very Reese response. (laughs) Letting people make their own decisions. We're here for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's all about choice, baby. Um, she takes this drink and she the, the the vial from the med witch and she's like, oh my god, it's gross. Apparently, it tastes like grape soda. She doesn't like grape soda. I wouldn't mind it. I'd drink it. I'd be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> I'm weird. I'd be happy to have that. Um, they continue and. To, to talk, and I say that loosely because he's like, you know, well, that went well. And Hunt is finally like, look, I'm going to watch. I'll, I'll sit here while you get yourself stupid drink if that's what you want, but I'll say this first. There are better ways to deal with everything. Which was, to me, his first mistake. Yep. I know why he said it, and I think if she had pounded, like, eight drinks and he had seen the whole thing, then, like, yes. (laughs) But to our knowledge, she actually did, like, what? Like, a shot, and then now has been sipping the same whiskey for the whole time. So it's like, "Mm, she's not exactly, like, throwing them back. I think think if she needs to take a minute, you should just sit and observe the situation as it is, instead of throwing your weird two cents in. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And Bryce is finally like, she's trying to ignore him. And he's like, you know, you weren't the only one who has lost someone that they love. This is mistake number two. This is mistake number two because it's not that he's not right. He's absolutely right. And I want to slap Bryce most of this book because of that. Like, I absolutely agree with Hunt. This is just not the moment. (laughs) Yeah. She's angry and pissed off enough that this is not the right time to, to say that to her. Really, yeah. you're pouring gasoline on a fire. Not right, a because time. then she's going to say something. Like, that's the problem. Is like, as soon as he said it, he should have known that her response was going to be shitty and it was just going to set the two of them back. You know what I mean? And it did. Yeah. And she gets very snarky and, you know, kind of lights him up. And she's like, you know, well, tell me your sob story. And it does not get better from there. And Juniper finally responds back and Juniper pisses me off. I'm not going to lie. Because Juniper's like, sorry, I can't. I have practice. And then she's like, wait, why are you drinking? Are you drinking again? What happened? And I'm like, okay, if you cared that much. Okay, I want to agree with you, except for the conversation we're going to have with Juniper later. I know. And I think I I think we don't know the background of how the last two years have been. 
with Juniper and Bryce. I have a feeling that Juniper is just fucking at the end of her rope. And it's kind of like, I have bailed you out as many times. I have tried to get, like, kind of where I, kind of where I am with Bryce as a character, which is like, we have given you as much leniency as we possibly can. We are just running out. No, I agree. And so, like, I, I feel bad because I think Bryce could have really used Juniper tonight more so than the stupid shit Hunt just said. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> However, I, you know... Like, mm, what is that whole thing that people always say, like, on Instagram? Like, Juniper's got to protect her own peace. <laughs> yeah. And I get that, too. I get it, too. Anyway, she Bryce provokes a fight with her and Hunt. He finally leaves. Womp womp. And he's like, I'll see you at home. And he puts another one, another tonic down in front of her from the Medwitch. And he's like, drink that one in 30 minutes. And we get an invisible snowflake. And we find out that Hunt is at, at the apartment and he is sitting down on the couch. He's getting ready to watch a sunball game. You know, totally typical guy yeah, thing. dude thing. Total dude. And Bryce comes into the apartment. And it's been about two hours since he left her at the bar. Yeah, which isn't like super long, but. No, he did call Naomi to babysit her. From afar. It had to be weird. Like, you know, Naomi was like, what the fuck? This is your job. Like, why do I gotta go? Exactly. Um, so anyway, anyway, she had done that and she comes in with, with the, the food because she went and bought groceries and she's unpacking and he's having mental thoughts about what she said as far as Shahar and him and their relationship and her and he realizes he hasn't thought about Shahar in quite a while yeah it's all been about Bryce so I guess that's a good thing I don't know I don't know I don't know this poor man keeps picking like emotionally unavailable women obviously (laughs) definitely emotionally challenged I'll leave it at that Anyway, um, he's like, what are you doing? And is it a really good idea for you to cook when you've been pounding whiskey? All right, there's mistake number, what, three, four? Yeah, he's like really, really like, yeah, just just piling them up. <laughs> yeah. Here, let me get you a spoon. He's got some severe foot and mouth. Yeah, because, you know, it'll hurt more with the spoon. <laughs> just So... She's like, I'm trying to do something nice and you're not making this easy for me to do something nice, which I have to give her credit. And honestly, if she's coherent enough to say that, I'm willing to bet you she's not drunk. Yeah, she's fine. Just a thought. And she's finally like, I wasn't hunting whiskey. I left the bar shortly after you did. And she's like, and then he's like, oh, well, where did you go? And she goes, well, I went to a storage unit in Moonwood because I stashed a bunch of Danica's stuff there so Sabine didn't dump it all. Sure. And um, then she went to the grocery store. Okay, that's fair. I don't blame her. I would do that, too. Makes sense. And she brings in these clothes and she's like, look, I know they have clothes from before, but maybe there's something on these as well. Sure. Who knows? 
So they get talking. And he's watching the game. She's trying to cook. And she's finally like, I'm a mess. And she's like, honestly, I was a bit of a mess before what happened to Danica. And it didn't get any better. And he's like, why were you a mess before she died? I'm thinking this could be interesting. We, we learn a little bit about Bryce here. Yeah. And she goes, I'm a half human with a near useless college degree. All my friends were going somewhere doing something with themselves. I'm a glorified secretary with no long-term plan for anything. The partying stuff. It was the only time when the four of us were on equal footing. When it didn't matter that Fury's some kind of merc or Juniper's so amazingly talented or Danica would one be one day be this all-powerful wolf. And he's like, but did they ever hold it against you? And she's like, no, they never would have done that. But I couldn't forget it. And Hunt is like, your cousin said you used to dance, that you stopped after Danica died. And she's like, I was told my half-human body was too clunky. I was also told that my boobs were too big and my ass would be used as an aerial landing pad. <laughs> Gee, dancers critical much? I mean, <laughs> whoa. And he's like, so you've never stopped trying to do anything else? And she's going, look, I've got 10 different applications on my work computer. I can't focus to finish them. Well, no. First, he compliments her ass. <laughs> well, he does compliment her ass. I'm just trying to be... Try, I'm trying to skip through some of this. Make everybody read some of this. Come on. Yeah, but the complimenting her ass is funny. <laughs> because he does it, and then he's like, wow, my mouth just fucking betrayed me. <laughs> Don't. He's like, I thought it. I did not tell my brain to tell my mouth. What the fuck? <laughs> that is true. That is so true. And she's like, a human lifespan seems like, seems a long time to fill, but an immortal one, I have no idea what to do. And he's like, look, I'm 233 years old and I'm still figuring it out. Can I just say in a weird way that makes me feel better? Right. <laughs> I'm a 50 year old woman who's trying to get her shit together so I feel a whole hell of a lot better knowing he's 233 and can't get it together yeah. so thank you Hunt you make me feel better and she's like but you did do something and you and you know you you, you are someone and he's like yeah but look what it got me <laughs> slave tattoo <laughs> and the halo and Bryce is looking at the photo of her and Danica that was taken and that's in the room that Hunt sleeps in. And she's like, my mom took that the day we got out of the hospital in Rosk. And he's like, why were you in the hospital? And he's like, Danica's senior thesis was on the history of illegal animal trade. She had uncovered a real smuggling ring, but no one in the Ox of the 33rd would help her. So she and I went to go deal with it ourselves. Okay, not the brightest thing at all. I already yeah. know that's what you're going with. Yeah, I was like, my problem with this is that, like, this whole story is like, oh, they have feelings. They wanted to do the right thing. On the other hand, like, <laughs> you're adults and you need to act like. 
like it. Like, oh my god. <laughs> mhm. Pretty much. And she's like, the operation was run by five asp shifters, as in the snake, who caught us trying to free their stock. We called them asp holes, and things went downhill from there. <laughs> and then it got ugly. <laughs> and he's like, how? And she goes, a motorcycle cra- chase and crash, my right arm broken in three places, Danica's pelvis fractured, and Danica got shot twice in the leg. I'd I'd say it went downhill, yeah. Yeah. And then Hunter's like, whoa. And she goes, yeah, you should have seen the asp holes. And Hunt's like, wait, you killed them? And she's like, some, the ones who shot Danica, I took care of them. The police got the rest. It's like, I know people think Danica was a reckless partier with mommy issues. I know Sabine thinks that, but Danica went to free those animals because she literally couldn't sleep at night knowing they were in cages, terrified and alone. And Bryce is like, Danica was always doing that kind of thing, helping people Sabine thought were beneath them. Some part of her might have done it to piss off her mom. Yeah, but... Most of it was because she just wanted to help. That's why she went easy on Philip Briggs and his group. That's why she gave him so many chances. She was difficult, but she was good. And he's like, he he's kind of asking her some more leading questions and, and trying to find out what's going on with her. And she's like, you know, most times I... I most days I feel cold as it was in here with Adis. Most days all I want to do is go back to how it was before. I can't bear to keep going forward. And I think that says a lot. Because remember, we've already found out she thought about jumping once. Mm-hmm. And Juniper saved her. So I, I don't know what this says about her mental state. But it definitely is kind of worrisome. Um as somebody who's in therapy, I will say that she definitely, she should be in therapy. Because, mm-hmm. wow, she has some issues to un- unload and Yeah, I address. think that's why I said what I was saying about uh, Juniper earlier, though. Like, there's a difference between, and like, we talk about this back in Akatar, like with Tamlin all the time. We always talk about how everybody in that book needed some therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the thing is, is like, I think Juniper would be fine with Bryce being where she is if she was actively trying to get better by like doing things like going to therapy. Exactly. But because she won't get her leg fixed and she won't go to therapy and she won't go to dance class. I think Juniper's just kind of fucking over it. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think that's where this is like weird to me because it's like Bryce is self-aware enough to know that essentially she's depressed. But right. She's not- doing anything about it well and in some ways hunt isn't really helping either well yeah let's be real honest for that matter neither is rune though he is trying he's just really going about it the wrong way yeah so i get it she's she's in a weird place she doesn't really have the support Mm -hmm. from the people around her to be productive in therapy but at the same time well, she's not 
smart enough to realize she needs to just get off her ass and do something about it. Well, and arguably the weird part is that like, it's not on Hunt. Like Hunt is coming to this situation so late in the game. She should have already been in therapy and like working through her trauma prior to him showing up with this investigation. I agree. A hundred percent. Like I feel bad for him because I feel like this is a, this is, this is putting him in a weird position where like he's constantly trying to tell her like for example that she needs to do something about her leg and she won't and I you know what I mean so it's like I kind of can see why he hasn't recommended therapy because he can't even get her to go to the freaking doctor for her leg (laughs) fair absolutely fair um I mean I don't know if my leg was bothering me like that. I guess I would want to go get it fixed. But hey, what do I know? Of course, this also is the same girl who hasn't had surgery done on her ankle because at this point, I'm like, why the hell do I want to put myself through this? Because basically, I know that they would have to re-break my ankle. To do it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> do I really want to put myself through that? Not particularly, thanks. <laughs> so I kind of understand it. Um. But Bryce finally asks him if if he could do it again, would he would he still have done what he did and joined Shahar and right. fought for her? And Hunt kind of goes through it and we learn a little bit about it and about him. And he's like, look, if I hadn't rebelled with her, I'd probably have been noticed by another archangel for my lightning. I'd likely now be serving as a commander in one of Pangera's cities, hoping to one day earn enough to buy my way out of service. But they'd never let someone with my gifts go, and I had little choice but to join a legion. It was the path I was pushed onto, and the lightning, the killing. I never asked to be good at it. I'd give it up in a heartbeat if I could. So I think... You know, I think that in this sense he realizes that it, they they do have some similarities. Um, sure. I, I just think he's, well, this is where the age difference comes in, because I'm sorry, 233 to 25. Right. The life experience and the maturity behind that definitely Well, helps. it's also like, uh, <laughs> kind of like seeing it from a perspective of like, he's aware that he probably needs therapy, but he is not in a position where he would be allowed to get any because he is essentially a slave, right? Like he doesn't really get to choose what he does with his time. I mean, he and some of the others go out for drinks every once in a blue moon and that's like it. You know what I mean? Right. So like, I don't really see them having like a healthcare plan that involves (laughs) therapy. (laughs) So probably not. Right. So, like, I think from his perspective, it's frustrating because if he was in her shoes and she had, you know, I mean, like, she's essentially living, like, a paid-for apartment and, like, has, you know, both of her parents. And, you know, I mean, as far as, like, her life is awful in the things she's had to, like, live through. However, she has the option to, like, do something else. She has no choice. And so I think it's frust. I mean, I would assume anyway that it's frustrating for him to watch her be like, "No, I'm fine. I'm fine." When he's like, "You could actually be fucking fine, but, <laughs> but you're refusing to do anything about it." I will literally never be fine because they don't want me to be. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. And, and, you know, it's funny that, that he figures that out. Yeah. Um, he does go through this and he finally does admit to her that yes, he still would have, he still would have fought for Shahar that he believes that the angel hierarchies are bullshit and that they were right to rebel. And he's like, you know, I'd still do it even knowing what would happen. And if I ever get free, I remember every one of them who was there on the battlefield who brought down Shahar and all the angels, the Asteri, the Senate, the governors, all of them who were there at our sentencing. And then he's like, after, and she goes, so after you've killed them all, what then? And he goes, assuming I live through it. He's like, I don't know. Maybe we can just figure it out. Quinlan will have centuries to do it, to do it. And she's like, yeah, if I make the drop. And he's like, why would you choose not to? Right. And she's going through all of this and she's like, I need an anchor. And he's like, well, what about Rune? And she's like, nope. And, you know, what about Juniper? And she's like, she'd do it, but it doesn't feel right. And she won't use a public anchor. And she finally explains, she's like, look, I know people don't get it. It's just a light went out inside me when it happened. Danica wasn't my sister or my lover, but she was the one person I could be myself around and never feel judged. The one person that I knew would always pick up the phone or call me back. She was the one person who made me feel brave because no matter what happened, no matter how bad or embarrassing or shitty it was, I knew that I had her in my corner, that if it all went to hell, I could talk to her and it would be fine. And she's like, but it's not fine. And I will never talk to her again. And I think people expect me to be over it by now, but I can't. Anytime I get anywhere close to the truth of my new reality, I want to space out again to not have to be me. I can't fucking dance anymore because it reminds me of her of all the dancing we did together in clubs on the streets or in our apartment or dorm. I won't let myself dance anymore because it brought me joy and I didn't, I don't want to feel those things. I know it sounds pathetic. And I find that to be a very interesting thing that she puts out there at that point. Yeah. Because we finally realized she doesn't dance because it reminds her of Danica. I'm willing to bet that the pain in her leg is a reminder for her that she's alive and Danica isn't. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, given that it's only been like two years and given that like, she was the one like to find the body and all of those things. Like I get it. I I like actually do. And I appreciate that she's self-aware enough to know that like, it's a problem. So like for that, I super appreciate her character. It's just like, it's like what you and I say all the time about how people just like handle trauma differently. I just have a hard time with Bryce because I feel like we're being asked to leave so much space for her and her trauma, given like what Hunt has been through and is actively living every single fucking day. And so it's like, okay, it's frustrating because like we said, you have like you have the ability to like work through it, get therapy, feel better, and you are actively choosing not to. 
you know, it's funny. I just had a crazy revelation listening to you after reading this section out loud. Bryce has severe survivor's guilt. Oh yeah. No, she definitely has survivor's guilt. And I can, I can relate to this and I can understand this because I have a very close friend of mine who's, she worked at the Pentagon at 9-11. Yeah. And her younger sister also worked there. And her younger sister was a victim. Yeah. At the Pentagon. And my friend to this day has guilt that why was it her sister and not her? To this day. And we're at yeah. 21 years now. And having listened to her and other people I know who were affected by the events of 9-11 directly by losing people. Um, I mean, I knew her sister not that well, but I did know her. I have to admit, I mean, 21 years have passed. And in some ways, my friend hasn't completely moved beyond it i mean yeah in many ways, i mean yeah. i think it would be crazy to think that bryce or anybody would completely move beyond it that's not the problem i have the problem i have is like the effect it has on the people around her and i i hear you i think though what i'm trying to say is is that she's finally at a point now where i feel like okay i mean yes she has survivor's guilt she's doing well but i will tell you two years later she was not in the best place. Yeah. And honestly, in some ways, she she was like Bryce in how she handled things. I won't tell you that she was identical to Bryce or anything else, but like her her guilt response is, is kind of the same. And so I have to now wonder, looking back, and and really think that maybe what's really going on, yes, she's depressed and all, but this is serious survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is nobody around her, including her brother or her mother. Yeah. Even Juniper understands that part of it. They only see it as she's mourning the loss. They don't understand the survivor's guilt part of it. Which does make some sense because like they lived together. Yeah. That does, yeah, that does make some sense. I, 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 yeah, that probably makes it a little clearer to understand than like the way I was looking at it as like a friend of mine who found <laughs> they were the lucky one to find their father's dead body. So uh, to me, it was more like that. But this person was still one of like the kindest, like most easygoing people in the world because they didn't want anyone to ever feel the way like they felt dealing with what their family had gone through. So like, you see what I'm saying? So like, it's just how people handle trauma differently. And it's just from my perspective, I, I, you never know how you would handle a crisis. I just, I, I think what's hard is for me looking at it. I would try very hard to do exactly not what Bryce does. Right. And so that's why to me, it's like a difficult like character to read because I'm like, I'm like from the outside observer, I'm like, cool, Bryce, you're literally telling this to Hunt, who was a slip, like, can we talk, like, like, you can go to dance, you're choosing to not go to a dance class. I don't think Hunt gets many choices, period. (laughs) No, especially not prior to working for Micah. Yeah. 
so I think that's where like my brain goes where I, you know, and that's probably not necessarily like better. You know what I mean? Like the, the fact that I would be the opposite, which would be like, <laughs> totally just trying to not make this worse for anybody else. You know what I mean? Like that's just a different trauma response. It's just like, to me, it's a, it's a hard one to read because like, I want her to be getting better <laughs> at 500 pages in. <laughs> She's not. <laughs> And I understand that. I think, I think in a strange way, she really is. Well, yeah, I think that's hopefully the point of the next couple of chapters. <laughs> I just don't think we see her seeing that. Sure. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's, and it literally, truly did not. I literally, as I was reading out loud from right. the book, it really occurred to me that this is a type of survivor's guilt. And sure. I think, I mean, everybody who was there that day on 9-11 was certainly impacted by the events of 9-11. I'm not even going to say they weren't. Some were affected far more greatly than others. And I know my friend, like, to this day, like, I, you know, we talk about stuff She's the one who's taken me to go see Come From Away pretty much every time I've ever gone to go see it. Right. She's been with me. She's very involved in all the 9-11 survivor stuff. And I think that that has, honestly, I think for the first time it really kind of clicked why, especially by the time we get to this point with Bryce, it resonates. And I didn't understand before, but now like I said, literally reading it out loud and, and we've been talking about all this, I, I see that it's, it is a form of survivor's guilt and it is a form of her trying to process and handle it. And I think that, you know, yes, I understand that it's PTSD. Yes, it's trauma. Yes, she is trying to, to deal with the trauma. And I, I forgot that there was survivor's guilt, like on a conscious level, um, and that really kind of affected how I was thinking about her and her response to it. But knowing what I know about survivor's guilt, one from a friend who's had to deal with that um, from an event kind of like that to, um, you know, being someone who is in therapy and going through the process of, of working through my own personal traumas and issues. I understand um, probably a little bit more about Bryce than I, I realized literally until like right now. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure what that says. In complete fairness, I probably like, uh, that's just like a me thing that I process things completely <laughs> differently. I just, like I said, it's, it's the same thing as his back in Akamath. You have to remember that like, I also was running out of space for the way Feyre was treating Reese. <laughs> I don't personally have a lot of room for that. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that's probably just like a me thing, but also, but also in complete fairness, like taking out of like, obviously we spend a lot of time like looking at these characters, like as, <laughs> you know, people, but also it's oh. a book. So I think if you take a step back and look at it from a book perspective, it's like that that's why for some people this book is like so 
like they relate really well because of like mm-hmm. how they relate to Bryce. But in fairness, that is also why probably uh, a good number of people could not get through this book because we are um, close to 500 pages in. Yeah, no, and I, we are I'm not even like remotely better and like to compare to Akatar, that would be like reading all of Akamath and at the end of Akamath, Feyre still is taking it all out on Reese. <laughs> and I hear you and I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. No, no. And, I'm not, and like I said, like I, I think that that does give like a new perspective to like why she's dealing the way she is. So, like, yeah, no, I think that's important. I just think it's, like, interesting in the storytelling arc, like, the length of time we've been here. I agree. I think it's a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and truly, it, it really just kind of hit me that that's what was yeah. going on. So, I don't know if that's for better or for worse. Uh, it, it is what it is. <laughs> right. It's definitely a lot to unpack. Truly, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I don't know, but then it gets lighter because she says a thing and it comes out dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And I I love Hunt's response to all this because she's like, thanks for letting me dump all my baggage on you. Well, she says it extra dumb, though. <laughs> I'm sorry I dumped my baggage in your lap. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can do it anytime. He goes, you can dump your baggage in my lap anytime, Quinlan. <laughs> and they're both like, wow, that sounded fucking stupid. Let's never say that again. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So, you know, gotta bring it, bring it back around to the happies. <laughs> But he does, you know, he he does have some some definite insight here. And he tells her, he goes, you know, I know you'll keep going forward, even if it sucks. And she's like, why do you say that? And he's, his answer is great, though. I love it. Because you pretend to be irreverent and lazy, but deep down you don't give up because you know that if you do, then they win. All the asp holes, as you called them, win. So living and living well, it's the greatest fuck you that you can ever give them. And she's like, well, that's why you're still fighting. And he's finally like, yeah. And I I love her responses. Well, then, Athalar, I guess it'll be you and me in the trenches for a while longer. And I think that's definitely... An interesting way to look at it. Um, And as the section ends, she's like, look, I know you're supposed to, you know, when this is all over, you're going to have to go back to the barracks and all. But if for any reason you can get out, the spare room that I have is always going to be here for you. You can always have that. And she's like, I'm really sorry. And he accepts her apology and we get an invisible snowflake. Finally. 
But I'm sorry. I know that we are just talking up a fucking storm, but I have a little post-it note here because the way it read, I was like, what? <laughs> like, hold up. <laughs> it said, you know, she finished cooking, um, and it's not great. It's fine. It's not great, but it's fine. <laughs> and she's like, nothing gourmet, but, you know, I'm sorry for earlier. And he looks at it, and obviously he's like, okay, I've seen dog food that looks better than this, but that's fine. And he says, but he smiled slightly, his chest inexplicably tightening again. Apology accepted, Quinlan. And all I could could think was, this is right up there with a bowl of crappy rewarm soup. (laughs) Pretty much. men cry (laughs) now we got some bad dog food and i think we're about in the same place (laughs) yeah pretty much pretty much i was like hmm i was like this sounds like some mating bond shit if i ever heard some (laughs) yeah you know ding 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 um so yeah we do we get the invisible snowflake and I love where this starts off because it's definitely a scene change. And yeah, I really thought that my pages stuck together. <laughs> For once, I can say truly, I'm very glad I read this in the electronic version so I can see the clear delineation in one chapter. Yeah. Because otherwise, I think I'd be totally lost. As it was, I was a little confused. And it starts off and it's like a cat was sitting on her dresser. And she's like, the cat's eyes simmered. What blinds an oracle? She fought to keep her eyes open at the question, the urgency. And she goes, you know, the Autumn King's only daughter thrown out like rubbish. The cat had either guessed it at the temple or followed her home to confirm whose villa she had tried to enter. Reese responds, I mean, Reese, good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Actually got the Kim's head with the made in bond soup shit. <laughs> in the back of Kim's mind, she's like, oh, yeah, those are kind of the same thing. <laughs> she's reading the words on the page, but she's thinking about my shitty analysis. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bryce's response is, he'll kill me if he knows. And I love this answer because we realize it's Adis, right? And as a cat, he looks his paws and he's like, then make the drop. And then she goes, what then? And he's like, I told you, come find me. And as she falls back to sleep, she's like, why? And he just kind of looks at her and non-verbally says, so we can finish this. And that's the end of the chapter. And can I just say, oh my God. Like, okay. Oh my God. I just like that that chapter's just over, and then we're like, the next morning, I'm like, this bitch went back to sleep after this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, but you gotta wonder did 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 he use some special demon magic to put her back to sleep? Right. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, nah, dude. This is what I would have been like. Uh huh. And as soon as that cat slinked off, wherever the fuck that cat came from, I'd be like. What? <laughs> Yeah, a little weird, a little weird. Yeah, we have a problem. 
I'm just, I'm totally mystified about his make the drop and come find me so uh-huh. we can finish this. Seems like, like it's going to be a problem. <laughs> uh, what? Finish what, dude? I like, finish this now I'm totally it. mystified. Yeah. Getting you a litter box? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are we finishing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm lost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And no, it does not get clarified by the end of this book. So. Great. We're all like, uh, okay. for us. So the next morning, chapter 53, she gets up and it's pouring down rain. Yeah. And Steering does not want to go outside because he's very much like a kitty cat and does not like getting wet. And I feel that. I feel that too. Um, so she's fighting with the dog with, with the dog. See, he is. He's like a weird cat dog. Cat she's dog. fighting with this <laughs> the cat dog. <laughs> Good luck, guys. Now you're gonna have the cat dog theme song stuck in your head, too. (laughs) Please, please, please comment. On socials, if you remember cat dog, <laughs> I want to know like what portion of our listeners overlap with the knowledge that cat dog was a thing. <laughs> oh, heaven help us! We're a mess. Oh, are we a mess? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I broke Kim. <laughs> It doesn't help that I also have Ren and Snoopy running through my head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Some fan art of Bryce holding cat dog, please. (laughs) Sirius is doing the happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. It's the happy, happy, joy, joy song. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, okay. Okay. It's oh. Everything is fine. <laughs> that's funny. I'm sorry, but that's funny. Whew. Anyway, uh, so yeah, she's in a full raincoat the whole bit. Yeah, and it's raining sideways. And, and Sarah's being a total butthead about going outside doing this business. See, she needs to get this this critter a, a litter box. Let's be let's yeah. be realized. Yeah, I don't know what we take it out for. It hates that. <clears throat> anyway, they finally come back in. She's soaked. <laughs> she's not just like wet. She's like somebody like dunked her in in a mm-hmm. bucket of water. And they they he gets she gets in. She feeds the the cat dog. <laughs> Is this going to be like our Papa Az? uh... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Are we just going to always refer to cat dog now? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We're serious. (laughs) Anyway. um, So they get back in the apartment and Hunt is cooking and he's like, are you hungry? She's like, no. (laughs) She feeds, she feeds Searing's. And he finally is like, look, I've seen you pick at your food for the last five days. You got to eat. 
I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm done watching you do this. You need to eat. And she gets all pissy because she's like, I don't need a man telling me when to eat. <laughs> and I'm like, um, okay, apparently you do because you're say, not like, mm, Apparently, though. <laughs> and finally, he's like, look, how about a friend telling you that you had an understandably rough night and you get mean as shit when you're hungry? I, I like that. That's fair. Totally yeah. fair. Hang hangry is is a real thing. Yeah, hanger exists. It does. I have it. And he does tell her, he goes, look, it's okay to be nervous. And he's acknowledging the new testing that they're going to do on Danica's clothes. And he had already called Victoria to tell her that he was bringing stuff over. And Bryce is like, I'm not nervous. It's just clothes. We all know that that's a big fat lie. Mm -hmm. And He's like, then eat. And they they go into a tit-for-tat argument about her eating right. and whether she likes to eat eggs, which we all know is a big fat lie. And he finally is like, eat. I'm not going to let anything happen to the clothes. Just eat. Eat breakfast here. And she finally does. She kind of flips him off. She's being a smart ass about it. But she's eating and he's feeling better because she's eating. Mm -hmm. And because of it, he's feeling better and begin an invisible snowflake. And Hunt, when we come back, it was definitely a commercial break because Hunt is now in Victoria's office. <laughs> Reiterate, do like, not lose these clothes. <laughs> don't lose these clothes. Like, whatever you do not, like, don't let anything happen to them. Just run the test. Just, just nothing else. And Victoria's like, we have stuff in evidence. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. But use these two. And then he's like, and you got the tech from Declan, right? And she's like, yes, I already told you this. Like, they're, they're, you know, definitely, he's, he's definitely working on Victoria's nerves. Yeah. But you know what I think it also is, is it's exactly what I said about like how Naomi must've been like, what? So, like, I swear it's that they've got to be thinking, like, we work with you all the time. Like, mm -hmm. we have you seen us, like, fuck this shit up, like, often or recently? Like, what is your deal? And it's because you know, too, also because they're women, you know they're also picking up on it. Like, this is because she's a girl. <laughs> uh, exactly. A pretty girl. <laughs> He's got the hots for her. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, he does hand her a list um, of other things to look for. And she's like, you think it's one of these demons? And he's like, look, I hope not, but just run the list, you know, just check. Cause we don't know at this point. We don't know. Let's find out what let's rule everything out. You know, like let's do the process of elimination finally and just rule yeah. it out. <clears throat> and he, as he's leaving says again, don't lose the clothes. 
and Vic is so funny. She goes, are you going soft, Athelar? <laughs> and he's just like, no, I just like my balls where they are. Fair. <laughs> I'm like, okay, dude, we you got issues. We that for you. <laughs> yeah. So that evening, Victoria gets back to hunt and she's like, look, it's taken a while. It's going to take some more time. I don't have any information for you, but I'll let you know as soon as I do. And they got into, he, you know, they're done with their work days. They're back at the apartment. They're watching some stupid, obnoxious reality TV show. I'm guessing from the looks of it, something like The Bachelorette based off of the description. Yeah, I don't know. God like help me. Makes my head hurt because I can't stand to watch it. <clears throat> um, and they go to bed. And the next morning when they get up, um, they're on their way out the building to go to work. Well, to go to the gallery and Hunt's phone rings and he takes one look at it and he answers it. And he's like, hi, Micah. This doesn't bode well. Mm-mm. And Micah's like, my office, 15 minutes. And he's like, okay, do you want Bryce to join us? And he's like, just you. And the line goes dead. Cause Micah's hung up on him. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the chapter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, this is gonna be bad. Where is he gonna? At? Well, next episode we'll tell you it gets um bad, but we get like some good stuff out of it. Yeah, we do. So yeah, but that's next time. This time we know we've had you for a long time, but stick with us a little longer so that you can hear from J.M. Wallace about her new book. It's so awesome. I, I loved reading it. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, So that being said, we're going to jump right into that. Uh, We won't bother to give you our long list of socials. You know what they are. They all have two A's, like Sarah J. Mass's name, and they're all in the show notes. Yes, they are. Okay. Okay. Well, sort of by, but... Sort of by. (laughs) Keep listening. Hear hear the interview, because she's awesome, and we love her. So here we go. we let you guys go just a little bit more of this episode and I think you're gonna really enjoy it we have a special guest (laughs) having special guests this is the best time also uh not only is she a special guest but she's a special guest who's been here before uh we're gonna reintroduce J.M. Wallace our writer friend (laughs) yeah hi guys hello (laughs) we're so excited yes we are so excited. Um, you are back because we love you. And also because you have a second book in your series and it just came out. <laughs> it did. Uh, the Claiming Elfame series, Era of oh. Embers and Ash just released. Yes. yes. Awesome. <laughs> and Kim and I were lucky enough to read it and we're in love with it. And now we're just like obsessively waiting for the third installment. So like, don't mind. <laughs> Come yeah, in, I promise I'm working on it. <laughs> I want to know how it ends. (laughs) I know. So I guess on that note, because we kind of just alluded to that, um, we just wanted to like double check. So this is going to be a trilogy or? Yes, it's it's a trilogy. Um, So, you know, I wrote the first one. The second one, I, there was some pressure writing it because I wanted it to be as good as the first one because a lot of people loved it. Um, 
And now I have the pressure of wrapping it all up in a nice little bow for you all. (laughs) So I'm like going through book three and I'm like, oh man, I I don't want to disappoint anyone. (laughs) Like I have to do it well, we're sure you won't. We sure will. We're sure we'll love wherever you're going with this. Uh, so far, it's just like gotten better and better. And there have been like fun little like twists and turns. And I just I, I appreciate how much I enjoy the characters and like the world building. But like it's not complicated world building. Like mm-hmm. I can actually read this at like 11 p.m. when I'm a little drowsy and like drinking my tea. And I'm like, this is so great. I'm not like crying, calling Kim, asking for a timeline. <laughs> yeah, that was a plus to writing a book that takes place, you know, in like the Fey realm because yeah. there is so much established folklore to it. Um, so I had a lot to build on. I did, you know, I made my own twists on yeah. certain types of creatures and things like that, but uh, it was definitely made it a, a smoother world building. <laughs> Like well, and for, for me as a reader and Kim, I, you'll have to, you're, you read like at the speed of light. So you'll have to tell me if you feel differently, but <laughs> for me as a reader, I really appreciated it because it allowed the story to move like what felt very quick, like very quickly to me. Like I felt like I was just getting right into the characters, right into the plot and like felt like I understood where we were going rather than getting hung up on like trying to learn, you know, Elvish in the process. <laughs> Well, there's that. And honestly, it it did. And the world building had already been set, but it wasn't complicated world building. So it was easy to just jump right back in and pick right up where the last one left off. Yeah. 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 Because we, you know, we, we do visit a different part of Elfheim. Right. um, In the second one, which I was really excited to write, you know, the summer and spring courts. Yeah. Um, But I think it didn't take too much away. It, it wasn't too much of a switch from the first one as far as like the whole world and magic systems. Right, though. right, exactly. Yeah, no, I loved that. So that was super exciting. So now my other question is, is I know you said that it's a trilogy, but it, any chance that you're going to like write other stuff like in the same world, like a la uh, our, our friend here as uh, we wish she was our friend. We'd say she's our friend, our SJM friend <laughs> who, who wrote. And then essentially, whether we like it or not, these other books are more or less like one shots based out of the same world. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for this one, I don't have anything like that planned, okay. uh, but I will say I'll never close a door on one of my worlds or my, you know, my right. series, um, especially if there happens to be like a fan favorite that, you know, the readers are like, okay, we need, this one needs their own story, you know, then I would consider it. Um, but I do have another series planned in the future where I would like to explore that sort of sure. universe writing rather than just one area Um, especially when I create worlds like a legacy of darkness I made that world from scratch sure and you put so much time and effort into that world that it's hard to like just leave it behind after three books you're like I just did all that work (laughs) I mean we need to explore more of this world so I think with a, a different series where I create the world from scratch I would be more likely to do that sort of for sure for sure that makes sense I just, you know, have to ask. <laughs> also, they never say never. Characters go. Kim knows I rewatched Merlin no less than three times or refused to watch the last episode um, because I just refused to let things go. So, 
the last season of Lucifer for what, two years now? Because I refuse to let things go. So yeah, pretty much. It's okay. We still also why I, I binge watch the same shows over and over. My husband's like, aren't you sick of that? And I'm like, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I want to immerse myself into the world again. Exactly. No, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm the weirdo that will, my favorite movie to watch year round, especially if I've had a bad day is a Christmas story. <laughs> There's something comforting about the, sure. you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> My brain turns off and I don't have to think. And I like that. So yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. So I guess what I'm hearing is a uh, worst case scenario. I will just start from book one and start reading again. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> I know I do have a, a novel, like a novella, a, a okay. very short, like 10,000 words. I have that planned, uh, which I'll put it on Amazon, but I, I'm going to be offering it free to anyone on my newsletter. Oh, fun. Um, and it's going to be a little more about Clara's dad. Oh, fun. Yay. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Okay. Yeah. I'm into that. Her dad's like one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I love him. Um, I actually kind of based him a little bit off of my own dad, um, <gasps> which was hard because then when I went into the novella, it's more of a romantic story. So then I had to, I, I was like, okay, like not, not my dad. <laughs> I have to picture, like, I'm like thinking of like fatherly figures in other like TV shows and movies that I'm watching. You're and like some other dad. Just not <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking like, I, I don't know. I was just like, okay, what are some other like good, good father-like figures <laughs> you know, in film and television? Too funny. Okay. Well, so we obviously have a third book that we'll be looking for, and that will be at the end of this year. Yes. December. So this okay. around so, the second week. Ooh, okay. So December of 2022, we're going to be looking for the third part of the series. And then if we're trying to get on your newsletter, uh, you know, I'm just trying to get all our ducks in a row. Right. Mm -hmm. So then if we're trying to get on your newsletter, we go to your website, which we'll put in the show notes. Is that what we do? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, and then you kind of alluded to this already. You said you have more books planned in your head. I do. And this one, it's going to be, I've already sort of started um, just to give little, little pieces of it to my critique group. Uh -huh. um, so book three of Claiming All Fame is my top priority, sure. but I've started like kind of feeling out this other story. Uh, I'm think like I, I'm creating a whole new world again. Oh, wow. From scratch. So it's taking a little more time. Uh, sure. But in my mind, I'm like picturing like Sicily almost. Ooh. Yeah. Like bright colors, Mediterranean foods, um, a new magic system. Nice. Ooh, love me a new magic system. Gods and goddesses. So, Ooh. <laughs> okay. I'm in. I'm so in. Uh, you have a follower for life. <laughs> sold. Both of us sold. Okay, well, before I take you down a tangent and then fall in love with a book you haven't written yet, um, <laughs> this one, this one, if they did or didn't read the first one, like, what is like, like, what are we dealing with? Like, what is the gist of this one without giving too many spoilers? Because I could talk all day, but then I'd give all the spoilers. So <laughs> in this second one, without giving any spoilers to the first, um, we're going into a new part of Elfheim. The, the big bad, you know, the villain is hot on their tail, 
there's bounty hunters, there's unhinged magic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I will say it's it's been nice because now Calera, our main character, is kind of coming into her own a little more. Right. Uh, which I think is a relief for some people. For <laughs> sure. Like, okay, girl, like let's let's just get it. Uh, and I will also say that because I know I tortured everyone with some slow burn in book one. Yes. Uh, we do have a little bit of spice in this one. <laughs> we go a past little. the slow burn. Um, yeah, we're not we're not every other chapter. It's not it's not by any means a smutty book, but no, but. But I'm hoping that the spice in this one is satisfying for my, <laughs> my fellow it, readers who crave it. I really appreciated it. Okay. So like, okay. So like Kim and I have briefly touched on this sometimes like in our podcast that mm-hmm. like, I'm not by really any means like a big time smut reader. Um, but like, I like my well-placed spice and I can tell when it's not well-placed. <laughs> um, I definitely like, like my well-placed spice. I don't always know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't always know what is a good spice. What is bad spice? I just know when it's in the wrong place or it feels weird. And this did not feel (laughs) weird. I liked this very much. (laughs) I am so glad because I really did build up to it um, for quite a while. Cause I, I personally appreciate a slow burn. I like the tension more than the actual spicy scenes, but I did feel that that particular scene was necessary at that point in time to like push the relationship forward. So I was really happy with it. I was, I am a little nervous about like my mom and my grandma reading it, (laughs) but (laughs) I told my stepmom, um, actually it's in the dedication of the I was going to say what I thought when I saw the dedication. I was like, please skip the spice. Um, and I sent a screenshot of it to her because she hasn't gotten the book yet and she was like I won't be skipping over anything and I was I just like put that Homer Simpson um gif like where he's like going back into the shrubs (laughs) I was like okay (laughs) it'll be fine it's not that bad no and I and it wasn't it's not like a super grab like it's I don't know I no but it's like that to me it's a nice happy medium mm-hmm. like I don't know about like other like obviously we cover a lot of SJM here I don't know about other SJM readers I don't know what they're looking for I don't know because those books also span a huge like like span of different kinds of spice and amounts mm-hmm. of spice depending on the book right and so like to me this was what I like it was like you did not do like the fade to black you gave us what we were looking for you like <laughs> told us what was happening <laughs> what I appreciated was that you gave us what we were looking for we didn't do like a fade to back black we got you know exactly what we were looking for but we didn't spend a week doing it <laughs> yes <laughs> we touched it we went ooh we carried on with our lives <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it was what I was comfortable with I, it felt like right you know for my style of writing um I didn't want to like push myself into trying to do something just to make a certain group of readers happy sure. you know I, and I feel like the group of readers who do appreciate more spice will still exactly. appreciate this because it was more it was like an authentic I don't know. It was, I wasn't pushing myself. I feel like you would be able to tell if I felt awkward. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You'd be like, okay, she did not like, she did not like writing this. (laughs) Then she got a ghost writer. (laughs) 
That is too funny. Well, I super appreciated that. So yes, I'm here for all of it. And then I'm uh, I'm trying to avoid spoilers. So I'm trying to think in like a, a you know trope world, right? So like we we have like um we the have sort time. of like uh uh you know like hurt her and I kill you vibes, but we also have like the reverse, which is pretty fun. <laughs> yes, I did enjoy writing it that way. Um especially because I want to focus on her finding her strength um, versus relying on someone else like she kind of did earlier in her her journey. Um, So I really enjoyed that. Um, I did have, we did have the one bed trope also in this one. Yes, yes, we did. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've seen a few people posting the tropes that they found in them. And some of them, I wasn't even like thinking about, um, I was like, oh yeah, I, <laughs> I did throw that trope in there. So funny. Well, and I think that's, what's so interesting too, is, uh, looking at it, like looking at it from that perspective, like trying to break down, like, as you're reading it, like seeing what you see versus what other people see. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is one of my favorite parts. Same with like book quotes. I love when reviewers leave like their favorite quotes. I'm like, oh yeah, like I wasn't even, you know, I have my favorite list compiled, but it's fun to see what everyone else enjoyed from it. For sure, for sure. I I really, I did enjoy that. And I, when I got to the one bed trope, I just started laughing. (laughs) But the best part was, is it wasn't like two idiots in one bed. It was just the one bed trope, which was kind of nice. Right, right. It was, yes, I, I a thousand percent agree. As Kim knows, uh, the one bed trope can be, like the way I look at it is, it can be the one bed trope where it can be two idiots in one bed. And, and a lot of times it's two idiots in one bed. Um, that's not how this came off. So good on you, like good work. I didn't know that was a thing. So now I'm going to be feeling the pressure. No, just bed like- is because they like, fight it too much to the point that it's like illogical and you're like I'm sorry but like we're running for our lives can we just like take a nap and get over ourselves (laughs) yes I wanted this and I kind of I guess I kind of wrote it as like a tribute to the people who love the one bed because it was kind of just like I I don't know how to phrase it without giving too much away but um (laughs) if you read it you'll understand (laughs) Sure. No, I get it. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. One of the things I enjoyed was how you brought in the um, the wild hunt. You brought it back, mm. and I I really enjoyed how you did that and how it tied in to what's happening. I felt that was really well done. Very comfortable. Yeah, <clears throat> and you know, because I when I was researching like. Elfheim and Fae folklore to write the book. Um, I of course picked out like creatures that would that were my favorite, my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've the wild hunt is just totally fascinating. But there's been so many different takes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sh- they show up in The Witcher and in various books. They're even in like the Mortal Instruments series. So I wanted to do it in a way that was like a little unique while still being true. Mm-hmm. to who they were mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um which is why I really enjoyed adding in um when you read you'll find out about the guardians so yeah. I really enjoyed creating almost my own mythology to tie into 
a very um, ancient, you know, a, an established one. Well, I felt I felt it was really well done, and it really I really did like the Guardians. I thought it was a nice it was a nice twist to get you there. Um, <laughs> but I, I find I like the characters. I mean, they're they're fascinating, engaging characters. So to me, it was like, oh, okay, I can do this and keep on going. Yeah, I did. And I'm a huge fan of like the found family trope. That's probably my all time favorite trope. Same. So yeah. So anytime I have a chance to throw in like a little band of misfits, you know, who just end up like becoming best friends and family eventually, uh, I take that opportunity <laughs> any chance I get. And I will say that we will see more of that in book three. while we have you I just have to ask um how um do you turn out your books so fast (laughs) coffee no sleep no (laughs) um I really do I I make deadlines for myself uh and I stick to them if I write it down I'm gonna follow through with it so I give myself a goal of writing something every day Uh, usually it's a goal of like 2000 words. And sometimes I churn out twice that sometimes, you know, on Sunday, if I'm spending time with family, it might be 500 words, but I just made a habit. Like the day doesn't feel complete unless I'm writing something. Uh, And so that's what I do. I just, and I, my first draft goes through so fast because I do zero editing throughout the first draft. I just need to get it on paper. Uh, and then all of that fleshing everything out comes later. So I've just kind of figured out that four months is a decent time. I might not keep that up forever. I don't want to get burnt out, but, <laughs> but I really like having the whole series complete in one year. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> yes, the readers appreciate it. Um, and, you know, like right now, my mind is already on to the next world I'm ready to change it up so I'm I'm always afraid if I wait if I take too long on a book I'll lose interest and then start a different project and I, I never want to leave my readers hanging <laughs> on a no, series <laughs> I totally get that and the reason I asked that was because it was kind of a lead-in because I guess those are the kinds of things you're going to discuss on your podcast right yes uh Author Emily Fluke and I, she wrote The Death of a Fairy Tale. Um, Her main character was a mom. So I was sitting here, I'm thinking that I really wanted to just start a podcast just to talk about these kinds of things with friends, like um, like a mom's coffee, you know, morning out. So I approached Emily because of her style of writing, her main character. Uh, We're in the same critique group. So we've become friends over the past year. And I said, I really want to start a podcast, but I want it to be for moms who read and write fantasy books. And I know that sounds like super specific. (laughs) Like, I don't know if we'll have a huge audience or anything, but I was like, you know, motherhood is so isolating sometimes yes and so is writing being an author can be incredibly isolating so we wanted to come up with a way 
to kind of like draw that community together. So we thought Moms, Books, and Magic, a podcast for moms who read and write fantasy. Uh, and it comes out in September for back to school. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I really am. Yeah, we're going to talk to, you know, and we're trying to make it so it appeals to both readers and writers. Um, so, you know, when we talk about, we, we do have episodes talking about how we find the time to write, but it also applies to how do you find the time to read? People are like, oh, you read six books this month. How? You have children. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, we just really wanted to explore, you know, like the both the struggles and joys of kind of trying to take time for yourself again after kids, bookish nerd moms. <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, you got two right here and, and we definitely get it, appreciate it and are here for it. So as soon as that podcast comes out, uh, we will definitely uh, be sharing that information so that um, some of our listeners can go head over there too, because I bet you we have a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm hoping that you guys will let me have you on. <laughs> Honored. <laughs> I feel so special. Thank you. Yay invited to the party, um, especially mom fantasy friends. Awesome. All right. So before we let you go, uh, my last question for you is um, where can we find your books? So the Claiming Alfame books one and two are both available on Kindle Unlimited right now, uh, along with A Legacy of Darkness, the first, my, my book baby series. Uh, they can also be found paperback wide. Uh, Air of Embers and Ash will be coming out paperback wide this month. So hopefully Barnes and Noble and all of those stores that we love so much. But I also offer signed copies on my website. I, I ran a craft business before getting into writing. So I wanted to, I really just wanted to wrap them up pretty and send them to people. So <laughs> you can get like autograph book bundles there. It is limited, but I try and restock as much as I can. So that'll be in oh. my link as well. I love that. How cool. That's so fun. I'm nerdy enough. I like having all like books, especially if I'm friends with an author. I love having a copy of it that they've signed. And it just, I don't know. It, makes it feel more like personal more special to me um so I love that you do that I think that's so awesome yeah yeah I really wanted to do that and like I like adding my own little touches into it um like the little bookmarks and even the the paper that I wrap it with like the I just like all putting all the little details in there especially for readers who are going to take the time to like actually want my (laughs) my signature on their book um, yeah, I want to like give them all the love I can. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Also, the covers are super pretty. So, I mean, there's also that. <laughs> Book three, I think is going to be the best cover Ooh. out of all of my books. I'm really excited to share it with you guys in a few months. <laughs> I mean, the ones we have now are beautiful. So I, I can't, I cannot imagine what you're going to do next. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jam Wallace. We, as you know, we love having you and having you join us. Um, so we do appreciate it. And we are excited to know that book two is out and that people can 
finished reading the Elfheim series and I just know I was like so excited like when I got my copy to read I was like woo, woo, it's here <laughs> that feels really good to hear <laughs> and seriously thank you guys so much for having me because um I like I I wish we all lived closer so we could have like a book club wine night or something like <laughs> Ooh, sold. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to find a way to make that happen. <laughs> but seriously, thank you for having me. I appreciate oh, it. Sure. And we appreciate you. And, you know, again, for those of you listening, please go check out these books. They, they really are wonderful. And I'm just, I'm so tickled. It was funny because, um, as I said in the last one, I kind of had my guesses about certain things. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of fun to go, oh, they were right I wasn't sure if they were going to be but they were right (laughs) and that I don't know I mean that makes me happy because like sometimes I I like the total surprise out of left field but at the same time sometimes it's reassuring to know that you're not alone and so Mm -hmm. um you know sometimes like oh good I I didn't lose myself I figured this out and that feels really good yes so for that, I just, I want to say thank you and thank you for, for, you know, letting us promote you and promote your new podcast. I can't wait to listen. I know Kelsey's excited to listen. Um, you know, it's, it's fun. I listen, I have to admit the one thing about the job that I had that I've been doing this summer with it ending, um, I, I don't have my commute time anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I've lost my get in the car, throw on my podcast and, mm-hmm. or throw on an audiobook and, and listen. And um, <laughs> so I've got to figure out what I'm going to do about that going forward. But it's been wonderful um, having you and, and we really can't wait. I'm looking forward to, to the next book to see how this ends. <laughs> um, I'm very excited to see what goes on with Kalara. I'm very, very excited. I think everyone's going to be, everyone who's followed her journey will be pleased good they might not like how I get you there but (laughs) I'm gonna do it justice well as long as you don't try to pull like a Sarah J Mass on us and make us kind of feel like we've been abused eight different ways (laughs) I think we'll be okay you know getting us getting us the resolution is is fine I just don't want to feel like I've been pulled through our blackberry bush eight ways <laughs> to hell and back just a few bumps and bruises promise <laughs> bumps and bruises are good it's yeah. death that I have a problem with at some point I mean I'd also rather not be like crying in my car